Good morning. It's time to get up. We're all we got right now. Everyone in this room, we got to come together. I'm ready to go. Starts now. Let's go, G. Wake up, man. You're going to get up. Get on up. Get up. You get up. Get up. Let's do it. Everyone wants to laugh. (laughs) 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 This is great. It's wonderful. Look at us. What could go wrong? Just bring me my damn food. I have really elite analysis. You learned a hell of a lot here. Rex paid the producers to keep this footage. Okay. Can't wait. This is like days of your lives, man. Don't do dumb bleep. Uh, Oh, it is a party. (laughs) We will allow you to dance. There it is. Hit the Serbian gritty. We just paying checks to anybody to come on TV. <laughs> Hold on for a second. Cam Jordan is here. Pat Ben. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Brooke Pryor. Heather oh. I'm Hannah Storm. Now it feels oh. like football. Is it okay if I call you Greenie? Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> All cowboy fans make me sick. Hey, everybody. Don't forget about there me. We... Are we still on television? Yes, we're still on television. You in the Radio Hall of Fame, ain't you? Several of them, but go ahead, yes. <laughs> you never saw a guy standing on a box before? <laughs> the pass from Zappy was crappy, but the fans were happy. I Got for oh. We have a new feature. You give zero fucks about that. Zero. If yeah. we're fifths, we'd all be drunk. Joe Burrow is sexy, and he got a lot of guys feeling real uncomfortable. <laughs> Can I interest you in a punch of karma cleanse? You understand why Aaron Rodgers needs the cleanse? He's full of it. We've been friends for 20 years. Yes. That will come to an end if you ask me one question about this team once they're officially eliminated. <laughs> Linemen are sensitive because they wore T-shirts at the public swimming pool as kids. Damian Woody is on the phone, Timmy. He would like a word. You see that? You see that? Look how much bigger Damien's hands are than mine. <laughs> you can't stop us, Brady. We have saved a seat for our friend, Mr. Saturday. <laughs> but wait, there's more. The one. <laughs> they don't call me to play Hopa. <laughs> they don't call me to play Whistler. <laughs> what they call me, Mike, to play Maker. <laughs> This is a lot of fun. It's been remarkable. I love it. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. It's time to go, man. There's no part of that oh. I didn't love. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> the pancake. Anyway, welcome back to Get Up. We are coming to you live from the seaport, brought to you by Greg Goose. You get a sense there of the year's worth of fun uh, we've had as we wrap up. 2022. We have an hour to go in our final show of the year, and we started with the Dallas Cowboys in Nashville last night to take on the Titans. Let's take you to late in the first quarter, under five minutes to go. No score. Second and goal from the one-yard line. Zeke Elliott. Yeah, Zeke has been resigned to this role as a short yardage back, goal line back. He is absolutely thriving in that role for the Cowboys. Late second quarter now, Dallas up 10-0. First and 10 near midfield. Dak looking for Peyton Hendershot, but he forgot to catch it. Oh, no. Dak, don't do it again. Intercepted by Kevin Byard. That one was not his fault, but I think this one was. This oh, is 20 no. seconds left in the half. Did it again. Yeah, Byard you just can't again. stare down your receivers. I mean, that's something that Dak Prescott has to get better at in order to cut down on these turnovers. So the Titans get the ball back right before the end of the half, and Joshua Dobbs is going to connect with rookie Traylon Burks, who makes a, a nifty play here to catch the ball and stay in bound. Tight rope. Yeah, I guess he's trying to make up for the one that he dropped earlier in the game on the third down. You are so negative. That one went all the way to the 11-yard line. Titans kick the field goal, go into the half, trailing 10-6. Early third quarter, same score. Cowboys facing a third and 19 from their own 43. Dak buys time. He says, what the heck? I'll throw it down there. Maybe we'll get a pass interference call. And look what happened. Yeah, I mean, it was third and 30 last week. Big play to T.Y. Hilton. This is where the game changed against the Tennessee Titans. Third and 19 coming up with a big play. Because on the very next play, first and goal, Dak to Dalton Schultz. 
And that makes it 17-6, Cowboys. Yeah, Trey Avery makes it real easy out there for that Cowboys receiver. Titans is looking to respond. It's third and six from the Cowboys' seven. There's Dobbs to Robert Woods. That's his first career touchdown for Dobbs. Titans cut the deficit to 17-13. to Ensuing Cowboys drive third and ten from their own 25. This is T.Y. Hilton, second straight week with a big play. Who needs Odell Beckham is what you guys were going to say. <laughs> Later in the drive, now in the fourth quarter, second and seven inside the red zone. Dak floats it to Dalton Schultz, who goes up and makes the touchdown grab. Cowboys up 24-13. to 13. Just over six minutes left in the game now. Titans trailing by, by 14. Dobbs avoids the rush and is looking for Woods, but Nashawn Wright is a leaping interception. Cowboys win the game 27-13. Dak had 282 yards, two touchdowns, and those two interceptions. To be able to play this position, uh, you've got to have a short-term memory. Um, whether the interception you feel is your fault, not your fault, you've got to be able to turn the page uh, and just move on. Obviously, you know, you're not trying to have that adversity or cause that adversity, but um, good or bad, uh, I'm on to the next play. And Yeah, it is frustrating, as I said, whether it's off of your guy's hands or whether I throw it behind the receiver and he makes the play uh, and, the, and the cornerback makes the play, they're all frustrating and somehow or another, they've got to stop. Look, the, the Titans were resting half their team. This was certainly not the prettiest of wins, and it was another game in which Dak Prescott had multiple interceptions. He is now tied with Derek Carr, who just lost his job, for the most interceptions in the NFL this season. Yesterday continued a trend of Dak getting off to slow starts, too. 11 of those 14 interceptions have come in the first halves of games. David Pollock, I promised you would go first this time, so you had plenty of time, but I want to ask you something specific. <laughs> I understand that Dak Prescott is the quarterback of your fantasy team, uh, and you're in the championship this week, so are you happy with what you got last night, or did it leave you wanting more? Uh, about like Dak all season, it's a mixed bag, right? There's some moments when you go, man, that's my dude right there. <laughs> like He's making every play on the field. And you, you saw him against the Eagles, dude. He gets streaky hot, like, and he can't miss. And then he has moments where he stares somebody down and he misses inside on, a, on an outbreaking route that's going to be a pick most of the time. But, listen, they just can't keep doing this. Another injury to the offensive line last night that we'll have to monitor for the Cowboys. But that, that's not his fault, obviously, that first pick. This one is. The fumble, by the way, that hits him in the hands on the, on the snap. It snapped right to him under center. He drops the football. Dallas wants to be a Super Bowl contending team. You can't keep making these mistakes. Their defense is going to get takeaways. That's what they do. They steal possessions. You can't give them back if you want to go win a Super Bowl. So I just think it's it's those silly mistakes that make you want to rip your hair out um, that they can avoid. Like, look at that fumble. Dak's taking a, a snap four million times. He's got to be able to get that football or at least recover it. And those are the kind of things that are going to keep them from winning the Super Bowl. RC, I think we all acknowledge that the Dallas Cowboys have a very good team this year. They had a very good team last year, and, and mistakes like this kind of doomed them in the playoffs. Are you concerned that that is going yeah. to happen again with this team? Well, I think you have to be concerned because we have to allow history to play into our perception of who people are. And if we go back to last year, that loss against the San Francisco 49ers, and it was the undisciplined nature of the Dallas Cowboys that hurt that team. But I believe sometimes we're, we're nitpicking them and not necessarily paying attention to what they're accomplishing from a success standpoint. And when we look at this offense, it's the highest scoring offense in the league since Dak Prescott returned. It was the same last year. Now, when you you listen to David kind of take you through the anatomy 
of the interception that he threw to Kevin Byer, that, that was the second one, he's absolutely right. Those things can't happen. Dak Prescott has to be able to receive a routine snap from center. They did lose an offensive lineman. And so when you think about the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, these teams seem to be more consistently good than what the Dallas Cowboys are. But we're asking that if this team plays at its highest level, if Dak Prescott is at Pro Bowl caliber, if the run game with Tony Pollard is explosive and CeeDee Lamb continues to play as he's played down the stretch, I believe this team will be in every game against any team in the playoffs, and it'll be about execution in critical football moments. Well, R.C., you talked about the consistency of it all, and the Dallas Cowboys haven't been consistent in terms of their level of play all season long. And the question isn't whether they can get up for one game and compete against the best in the NFL because they've proven that against the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. The question is, can they do it for three consecutive games running through the NFC playoff field in order to get to the Super Bowl? And I have serious concerns about that, Nico. I do. When you look at this team last year in the playoffs, what was the problem? Game management and penalties. They were the most penalized team in football last year. This year, they're 30th in penalties. That's a problem. They can Continue to be a penalized team, undisciplined. Dak Prescott, 14 turnovers over the last nine games, undisciplined. Do we trust them when it comes to game management? Absolutely not. And then on top of all of that, we see them routinely play down to the level of competition. They were going up against an inferior Tennessee Titans team in terms of talent. Tennessee's got 22 guys on IR, and they were resting several starters on both sides of the ball last night. And that was a four-point game at the start of the fourth quarter. It was a one-possession game against the Texans. It was a two-point game in the fourth quarter against the Indianapolis Colts. Again, we Can keep going something? to these instances where the Cowboys make games tougher than they have to be because of self-inflicted wounds. And you're not going to be able to beat the better teams in the NFL in the postseason when they're playing the way that they're playing right now. Nico. I don't want to let RC in here because then I won't be able to say That's anything. That's exactly so. right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at the Cowboys. Last year, they're number one in penalties, like Candy said, and this year they're fifth in penalties. So they're still undisciplined when it comes to causing penalties, negative plays, all that. So now the, my biggest concern is with Dak. You have to take care of the football. And listen, Bill would always say, tell the team this. I don't care if you snap it, if you throw it, if you catch it. If your hands touch a football, the whole fate of the team resides with you. So Dak is, has to go into the playoffs understanding that the fate of the team relies in his hands. He has to make sure that he's smart with the football, doesn't leave the ball inside on an outbreaking route, doesn't make, doesn't make the mistake in, when he's under pressure, in the backed up in the red zone to where the other team has three points basically wherever they catch the football, it's a field goal. So in the playoffs, everything steps up a little bit. The mm -hmm. intensity steps up a little bit. The preparation steps up a little bit. So the Cowboys, for them to win more than just one playoff game, it starts with Dak. 100% starts with Dak. RC, you got 30 seconds. Go, RC. They're all yours. It's not going to take that long. Chris Canty <laughs> with the K because we all know how we love K's. All I'm going to say is this. <laughs> you keep asking. You keep asking if they can string together wins against good teams. What we are missing is the Dallas Cowboys are 7-1 and one against teams above 500. Mm -hmm. Like I and I get it. They 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 played down to the Texans, and you know you can talk about what they were three quarters against the Colts against good football teams. The Dallas Cowboys win against good football teams. The Dallas Cowboys go to Minnesota and absolutely blow their doors off. And I get it. They are inconsistent and they drive me absolutely nuts. And I hate that y'all are making me defend the Dallas Cowboys because I don't want to. But. 
This team can compete with anybody in the National Football League. And if they are sitting in the Super Bowl, we will not, or at least I will not be surprised. All right, that, that, was, that was 60 seconds, just FYI. <laughs> but that, that's cool. We it love was you. 25. Right. Allie no, just told 60. me I had five. I have a clock here, a digital clock. I am watching the seconds. I was counting. It was 60 <laughs> seconds on the nose. I gotta talk okay. about college football, RC. I gotta talk with David Pollock about the other playoff Bring semifinal. This one is out west at the Fiesta Bowl between Big Ten champs Michigan and this year's Cinderella TCU. The Wolverines are currently favored by more than a touchdown at Caesars Sportsbook. Coach Harbaugh has Michigan here in the semifinals for the second consecutive year. This might be his best team yet. Their 13 wins are the most in program history, while their FBS best plus 347 scoring margin is the best by a Michigan team since 1905. TCU, meanwhile, looking to keep its improbable run going. They were 200 to 1 to make the playoff at Caesars this uh, earlier this season, but are resilient. They have an FBS best five wins when trailing in the second half this year. So as I mentioned, over here, we're over here, David. Uh, Michigan, a seven and a half point favorite in this game. What do the Wolverines need to do to make sure that they take care of their business against TCU? I mean, Dan, the Michigan Wolverines are who they are, and they're just going to be physical. That, that, that's what they do. Their offensive line, most physical unit in college football, that they just pound you. They're going to run the football, run the football. It really doesn't matter if you have eight men in the box. That They don't care about those numbers. You see against Ohio State, Ohio State has them outnumbered. They use J.J. McCarthy as a good job in the run game and his wheels as a threat to hold guys, you know, a little bit on the backside. And then you see Edwards, who in the second half, it's the body blows, Dan. He averages five yards a carry in the first half. He averages 10 yards a carry in the second half this season. But look at this, Purdue in the second half, late in the ball game. He breaks so many tackles and makes plays. And then they know they're going to get man-to-man coverage. They know they're going to get all those guys up front in the run game. They protected McCarthy well enough, and they always have good plans and pick plays and double moves down the field to make explosive plays like you saw against the Buckeyes time and time again. So it's more about body blows. You better match their physicality, and TCU better come out the gates good. We've seen them start slow sometimes. Michigan's the best second-half team in college football. They can't do that against them. Yeah, that leads me to the natural next question, which is what can TCU do about all this? How do they pull the upset? Well, TCU don't want to stand in the middle of the ring and throw haymakers. That's not what they want to do. They don't want to take those body blows. They, they want to spread you out. They want to be explosive. They want to throw to Johnston, who's six foot three and probably the number one wide receiver in the draft next year. Kentrell Miller, one of the best tailbacks in the country. And then Max Duggan and his ability. So they're going to stretch you sideline to sideline, use all the grass on the field, use the tempo. But this guy, the guy who finished second in the Heisman Trophy, this is the guy who has to be the catalyst. Michigan has not faced a running quarterback like him not even close to a guy like him Clifford's probably the best comparison that they faced Duggan's way better with quick feet so you got to defend the pass you got to defend the run and then the impromptu plays that Max Duggan can make time and time again and run with physicality this will be the toughest test they've seen and a guy that can really really run the football at that quarterback spot Looking at Jim Harbaugh, we talked about Ryan Day in the last segment. Jim Harbaugh, obviously he's another guy that's always been talked about, NFL jobs, et cetera. So is this it? Like, is this his big shot? Is anything less than a national championship appearance uh, a failure for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? 
Well, I mean, l- last year I think they were happy to be there. Like they they got the Ohio State monkey off their back, and they were jacked up and excited to be in the in the, in the college football playoff. And then obviously they got destroyed, you know, by Georgia. So I think this year does bring. Listen, think about the off season for Jim Harbaugh. All the talks about going to a, the Minnesota Vikings and, and pursuing NFL jobs. By the way, I think there'll be some offers this year for NFL mm-hmm. jobs. That some of the openings that are already there. Maybe the Colts are talking to to Jim Harbaugh. That would make a lot of sense, obviously, um, for him to come back. But he's done a great job with Michigan back-to-back playoff appearances this is what we expected from Harbaugh early in his career we didn't expect it late but he's changed his stripes he's the great David Pollock David thanks for getting up with us this morning enjoy a great day of college football tomorrow when we come back the Pittsburgh Steelers have not looked super great this season but they're, st- they're still alive in the playoff hunt how does Mike Tomlin continue to do this his simple secret will be revealed ahead and Aaron Rodgers has won three in a row to get the pack right back in the NFC playoff hunt and Ryan Clark knows how he did it he's going to tell us why and how when we come back Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Big week 17 in the NFL filled with playoff implications for tons of teams. So let's get some bold predictions. RC, what's yours? This this prediction isn't necessarily bold, but I had to make sure y'all understood what it was. The Pittsburgh Steelers are the underdog this week, and they are coming for the Baltimore Ravens. Big hat and all. Kenny Pickett to Pickett, a defense that's playing out of their mind, and we will not let the Baltimore Ravens run the football like they did in the first meeting. Let's go, Pittsburgh Steelers. Go, Steelers. Renegade is playing all week. Let's get it going. Oh, I'm fired up, and I got a big hat. Woo! Chris Canty, uh, follow that. I like both predictions. I'm going for the Ravens because that was one of my former teams. But my bold prediction for Week 17, the Jets pull off the upset in Seattle. They hadn't won up there in a quarter century, but Mike White back as the starting quarterback gives that offense a spark. That defense, we know what level they're capable of playing at. DJ Reed, 
former Seattle Seahawks looking, looking forward to going up against his old team. Arguably the best cornerback tandem in the National Football League. They're going to give Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf all kinds of problems. Ninko, bold prediction for the weekend. RC, give Canty his hat back. Anyway, I'm, I know wow. this isn't crazy bold. <laughs> this ain't a crazy bold statement, but I'm going Cincinnati over Buffalo. You got Joe Burrow looking really good. Um, you know, a second in the NFL in touchdowns. So, Cincinnati, they are a team that's really on a roll right now, and we'll see if they can get it done against Buffalo. I think they can. Massive Monday night football game to finish week seven uh, this week. I want to go back, though, to uh, the, the big hat got me thinking. <laughs> After they started the season two and six, <laughs> it looked like the Steelers, uh, would, this would be the year that Mike Tomlin's streak came to an end. That streak is his fifth, in his 15 seasons as an NFL coach, he's never had a losing season. The Steelers are 7-8, and eight, which is a losing record, but they have two games left to play, which means he can still keep this streak alive. It's already the longest in NFL history by a head coach to begin a career. Uh, even predating Tomlin, the Steelers haven't had a losing season since 2003, which was the year before they drafted Ben Roethlisberger. Pittsburgh's run of 18 straight seasons, finishing 500 or better, is the third longest such streak by a team in NFL history. So we got to thinking and we have the right people to talk about this because we have Ryan Clark, our former Steeler, and Brooke Pryor, our NFL Nation Steelers reporter, joining us to talk about Mike Tomlin. RC, I guess the, the basic question uh, about Mike Tomlin is, is what, like, how does he continue to do this? What is it about him that, that allows him to continue to win at this level, even when, I mean, this year's team doesn't really look like it should be? I think it's consistency. It's unwavering belief in who he is, in what he knows, and the way that he can communicate that to his team. The messaging never changes from Coach Tomlin because he believes in it that much. He feels that there are certain ways to go out and compete. There are certain ways to finish football games, to prepare for football games. And he doesn't think that that changes week to week. He doesn't think that that's a difference in between the first week of the season and the Super Bowl. And he knows that because he's been to two Super Bowls. And so when you are constantly hearing the same thing, when you're constantly receiving the same message and you have a head coach that doesn't ride the wave of emotion, if you win a huge game, is Coach Tomlin excited about it? Absolutely. But he comes in on Wednesday morning and it's the exact same thing. If you lose a big game is he disappointed about it absolutely but he comes in on Wednesday morning and he's exactly the same way and I believe that that sort of consistency that sort of belief but as a player understanding and knowing that your coach will always be the same no matter what the level of emotion is within the building that's something that you can count on and he's been that for this team for this organization for the last decade and a half. Brooke, you have a, a story coming out on ESPN.com, I believe, this weekend about Tomlin and his relationships with his players. So when you go into the locker room, as you do every day, and you talk to these guys, what, what do they tell you about what makes him so good? Well, the first thing is exactly what RC just mentioned, that consistency. I was talking with Kevin Dotson yesterday. He said the message that they were getting week one and when they started one and three and then two and six is the same thing that they're getting now, but he's like, it just, it resonates more now. It's sinking in more. So for those that say, oh, the messaging is stale, you know, this isn't helpful for the team. No, to the guys in the locker room, this helps that the message, the expectations are the same. But to me, the guy that really stuck out was Montrevis Adams, who was on the New Orleans Saints practice squad. 
squad. I asked him, you know, it seems like you, you're really playing for Mike Tomlin. He's a guy that's been vocal about not wanting that losing, that non-losing streak to end. And he said, yeah, honestly, without Mike Tomlin, I'm probably home on my couch right now with my family because he believes in me. He respects me. He doesn't have to say anything. Sometimes it's just a look. These guys are playing for Mike Tomlin. He's in the locker room all the time. Sometimes I walk in there and he's sitting down at the card table with all the guys that are that are there kind of gathered playing card games, things like that. I mean, this is a team that rallies around its coach. Mike Tomlin likes to say there's nothing mystical about things going on, but there might be something a little bit mystical about Mike Tomlin because he keeps coaching these zombie teams that come up big in December, but he says December football, it makes you or it breaks you. You either apply pressure or grip pressure applied to you. And as he told me a couple weeks ago, it's his preference to apply the pressure, gets the team going, everybody is playing for him. This is great stuff because I, I, keep, I keep thinking about Jesse Pinkman. Like, how does he keep getting away with this with Mike Tomlin? He keeps pulling it off <laughs> no, matter, no matter what. But, look, this is also a public service announcement. Two weeks from now, teams are going to be interviewing head coach candidates. And what are you looking for? This is the kind of stuff. Mike Tomlin has proven it uh, for 15 years now uh, and counting, and that streak might just continue. When we come back on Get Up, Tom Brady's deal with the Buccaneers is done after this season. Devontae Adams needs a new quarterback. Seems like the perfect marriage, doesn't it? Here why my friends are a little bit skeptical about that. But first, we got a little sneaky Darius trivia, and we're going to have Ninko and Canty try and answer today's question. It's the last trivia question of 2022. It says here, can Ninko finally get one right? Have you been that so. bad? <laughs> I didn't realize you've been that bad. Who was the last quarterback to lead the NFL in interceptions and still lead his team to the Super Bowl? You guys will ponder that, and we'll come back and see about this big hat. I wish everybody could have seen like, what was going on in the break as they were working this out. Anyway, we got Sneaky Darius, who was the last quarterback to lead the NFL in interceptions and still lead his team to the Super Bowl. I don't know if Sneaky Darius is as sneaky as Sneaky Hambo. We're going to go with Matt Stafford last year. Well, Matthew Stafford last year is the correct answer. Hello! I don't know how that's sneaky. Let's go! It just happened. I don't like the maybe. See, I put the maybe there with a question mark. We're talking right? about we, the we Well, that's because he doesn't trust me. That's the problem. I don't, I don't know how I can work under these conditions I, well, when your teammate doesn't trust you. I, I do you know? In my ears saying, you guys got you did it. it, and I didn't do anything. It's here. in the books. So I just want to know, out of curiosity, do you know who it was before him? No clue. It was Eli Manning. 2007. That wasn't your team, right? That no, wasn't, no, that wasn't no, your wasn't my team, team either. No, right? No, no. I was on the other side of that Dallas Cowboys. Wasn't my team. That's right. Oh, Work out point. for us in the division. That's round. a good point. Yeah. yeah, he didn't throw enough that day, unfortunately. Exactly. Uh, for you. <laughs> Speaking of the Cowboys, uh, they played the Titans last night in Nashville. Let's take you to the action. Under five minutes to go in the first quarter. No score. Second and goal from the one, one yard line. Who are you going to give it to? Zeke Elliott. Yeah, I mean Zeke Elliott has been resigned to this role as a short yardage goal linebacker. He is absolutely thriving in that role. Now we got uh, early third quarter, same score. No, wait, I'm sorry. This is Dak Prescott throwing an interception, which happened twice last night and seems to happen twice every week. Kevin Byard returns it to the Cowboys 41-yard line. Cowboys lead 10-6 at the half. Early third quarter, same score. Cowboys with first and goal. Dak's going to roll left. He's going to find Dalton Schultz open for the touchdown. That extends the Dallas lead to 17-6. But the Titans come back. Down the other end, third and six from the Cowboys' seven. Joshua Dobbs to Robert Woods. That is Joshua Dobbs' first career NFL touchdown pass. 
Titans cut the deficit to 17 to 13. On the ensuing Cowboys drive, it's in the fourth quarter, second and seven inside the red zone. Back to Dalton Schultz again. Nice throw, nice catch. Cowboys go on to win 27-13. Dak, 282 yards, two touchdowns, and those two interceptions that we mentioned. Now, we've harped on Dak throwing interceptions, but while he does lead the league in that category, since he got back from his injury in Week 7, he also leads the league in stuff like completion percentage and touchdowns, which are very good things to lead the league in. Uh, so it's been an odd and unpredictable season for Dak, but turnovers aside, he's been one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the league this season. Another very good quarterback is Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, they are trying to keep their playoff hopes alive as they host the Vikings this Sunday. Rodgers missed practice earlier this week, and yesterday on NFL Live, our Adam Schefter talked about Rodgers' status heading into Sunday's game. After missing practice yesterday, Aaron Rodgers was back today despite the fact that he is now nursing a knee injury. The ribs seem to be better at this point in time. The thumb seems to be better, but now he's dealing with the knee. It doesn't seem like it's going to hold him out and prevent him from playing Sunday's game. Aaron Rodgers will continue the Packers' playoff push on Sunday. So the Packers need to win their last couple of games, and they need a little bit of help. But mm -hmm. they've gotten to the point where it is possible. What they have to do First and foremost is beat the Vikings. RC, how do they do it? Well, first off, it has to start with this run game, and that should have been the formula the entire season, having Aaron Rodgers hand the ball off, and then that plays into the play-action game that allows some of these skilled players to get open by design, not necessarily having to win one-on-one. -on -one. And this defense has to not only be dominant at times, but they have to turn the football over. If you go back to last week versus the Miami Dolphins, it wasn't that this defense came up with stop after stop after stop. It was the three turnovers late in the game that allowed the Green Bay Packers to win. You have to do that against the Minnesota Vikings as well. And Jair Alexander said after week one, he wants the type of matchup that a Justin Jefferson presents. Well, this is his opportunity. Will Joe Barry allow him to shadow Justin Jefferson? Will they place some double coverage and understand you can't blitz on third down because Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins are just that good. If this defense comes up with huge plays, Aaron Rodgers is able to be dynamic and a Hall of Fame caliber player in the right moments, I think that this team can win. We know that this game will be close. You get stops, put the football in number 12's hand, you have an opportunity to advance to the next week with a chance to go to the playoffs. Nico, what do you need to see from Rodgers in this one? I don't think this is about Rodgers. I don't. I think it's about the Packers' defense and stopping mm. the run. It really comes down to can they stop the Vikings from running the football? And then if the Vikings are running the ball, that's what sets up everything else, their play-action pass and, and pushing the ball down the field. So everyone's so hyper-focused on the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yes, I get it. That's how it works. But their defense, especially in this matchup, if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to hold Cook to under 100 yards rushing. So right now he averages about 4.6 yards a carry against the Packers in his career. When you hand the ball off and you almost have second and five, yeah. it makes everything a lot that much easier, a lot easier for your, for your offense to work. So it's going to come down to the Packers' front. If they can stop the run, they'll win this football game. If they can't, they won't. Yeah, I mean, they haven't been able to stop the run all season. They're 27th in run good. defense. And then on top of that, you're talking about them being 20th in opponent QBR and 23rd in sacks. 
So it's not exactly the formula that you would think would slow down a Vikings offense that's seventh in scoring in the National Football League. So to me, the Packers' best defense against this Vikings offense is to keep them off the field. And it plays right into what RC was talking about in terms of their approach. They need to run the football. In games where Green Bay rushes 25 times or more, they're 7-2. and two. In games that they're under that number, they're 0-6. So, I mean, less Aaron Rodgers, more Aaron Jones, and A.J. Dillon. It also makes sense because you're talking about Christian Watson potentially being banged up with a hip injury. We don't know if he's going to play true game time decision because he hasn't practiced this week. So, it feels like this is setting up for the Green Bay backers to take a page out of that game plan that they used against the Dallas Cowboys when they pulled off that improbable win in overtime. Run the football down the Minnesota Vikings' throat. That front seven is a little bit soft. You can take advantage of him in that way. That should be the Packers' approach. So who are you picking in this game? Let's take a look. at. We got everybody's picks. Want to put them up on the screen. You guys like the Vikings. Yeah, I'm rolling with the Vikings. I'm not buying into this Green Bay Packers three-game win <laughs> wow. streak. They beat the Bears. They beat the Rams. Two teams combined <laughs> for 8-22. and 22, And they got true? three interceptions in the fourth quarter against a guy that was concussed against the Miami Dolphins. So, no, I'm not buying into the Green Bay Packers. All right, well, we'll see what happens. RC and I are on the Packers, uh, and, and we'll find out. Obviously, Sunday, huge game in the NFC North. Uh, next stop is Las Vegas, where the uh, Raiders might be in the market for a quarterback after they benched Derek Carr this week. Raiders coach Josh McDaniels was a longtime offensive coordinator for the Patriots when Tom Brady played there. And Brady will be a free agent after this season. So, guys, I was thinking... Rob Ninkovich, former yeah. Patriot, knows these guys a little bit. What do you think about Brady in Vegas? I don't like it. Interesting. I mean, let's just be honest here. Can we can we just look at at the performance of the Tampa Bay be Bucks honest, and Tom Nico. Brady this this year? Tom Brady doesn't need to play football. Forty six years old. I'm well, being honest, RC. I want to see him right off into the sunset. Go do something else, man. You're listen. If he goes to the you go to the Raiders. You're, you're putting yourself in another, another position where everyone is looking at you to come in and take the Raiders to a place they haven't been in forever. So yeah. I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. And not only do I, do I not see it happening, I don't see Tom having a miraculous recovery to this 46-year-old self that he didn't have at 45 this year. And, yeah, you could say the offensive line had issues, the receivers were hurt early, the defense wasn't great in Tampa, the new head coach wasn't able to get the most out of the players. But at the end of the day, when a receiver's wide open and the ball's not getting to him, it's got to be on the quarterback. Yeah, look, fair enough. And it's certainly possible, even likely, that Brady retires after this season. But, R.C., the question kind of assumes that he doesn't. And, I mean, Vegas, McDaniels, like, it seems tailor-made. Am I wrong? Well, I just want the headline to read. Nico says Brady should retire. That's, what I, that's the first thing I want to see on the ESPN homepage. So I'm just putting it out there. Nico uh-huh. said it. None of us said it. And that's your friend, Tom. But, you know, I Maybe. think we are. Okay, if we assume, we assume that he's not going to retire. And if anybody watched the Rob Gronkowski cast or whatever that was, uh, we heard Dana White say that he had this deal in place way before Tampa Bay's deal ever came about. So this is what we know about Dana White, the UFC, and everything that they've done with Tom Brady. This would be a terrible idea. 
This no. does not need to happen. Josh McDaniels doesn't need Tom Brady there. Tom Brady is not playing at a level now where he elevates players. And also, what is this going to do? Is Tom Brady going to play till he's 52? I mean, listen, he's defied the odds already. But to say that he's going to get better or to say that he's going to rebound from what we've seen this season would be very ambitious. And now you're going to a team that hasn't accomplished the things that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have with Tom Brady that don't that doesn't understand who Tom Brady is now or who he's going to be at 46 and now you're going to be dealing with players who probably won't have the same level of respect that Mike Evans has when he's 15 yards behind the defender and Tom Brady short or when he has the post corner against the San Francisco 49ers and Tom Brady hits him in his ankle and then when Tom Brady gets on the sideline and he's slamming tablets and he's cussing folks out asking folks to be better when he can no longer be better I don't think this is a good idea if you move on from Derek Carr you move on to a younger more long-term answer not to Tom Brady Look, you're my last hope, Chris. What do you guys? Tom Brady in Vegas, a good idea. No, that's a terrible idea. Oh, good man. players can't overcome bad coaching, and that's what we're seeing Tom Brady deal with in Tampa with Ty Bowles, and that's what he would be dealing with in Vegas with Josh McDaniels. I think there are other landing spots for Tom Brady that make a lot more sense, the Tennessee Titans being one of them, Where? the San Francisco 49ers being another one. Those places yeah. make sense, and it feels like Tom Brady would have the requisite pieces in place in order to have a clear path to getting to the playoffs and competing for a championship. Those places make sense, and so does, like, you know, like his lanai, right? At some point, he'll have yeah. to go. He ain't retiring next year, guys. Like, he ain't retiring. He's yeah. playing football but next we'll year, see. guys. I'm going to find – I'm going to keep looking. After find what he went through to like play football me, this year, he's not retiring this offseason. That thinks this is a good idea. Yeah. You guys really let me down. Anyway, here's our upcoming featured ESPN football lineup. You got Michigan taking on TCU and Georgia squaring off against Ohio State in the college football playoff semifinals on Saturday. Then Penn State and Utah face off in the Rose Bowl on Monday. And then the Bills battle the Bengals in a huge Monday night football matchup. That's also on ABC, ESPN2, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Plus. Coming up, Russell Wilson got some much-needed support from teammates yesterday, but we'll tell you why it'll take a lot more than a couple of tweets to make things right in Denver. Twenty two is almost over. The new year is approaching and it is time to think about New Year's resolutions. So Chris Canty, what is one resolution that a player or team in the NFL should make for 2023? Raj, here's a novel concept for the New England Patriots. Hire an offensive coordinator that actually called plays on offense in the NFL prior to 2022. You went with a defensive coordinator in Matt Patricia, and it is an absolute disaster. Your team is 29th in offensive efficiency. Your team is 24th in total yards. And your second-year quarterback is 32nd in QBR. How about you get somebody in there that knows what the hell they're doing in terms of sequencing and play calling on the offensive side of the ball? Ryan Clark, give me another team that should be making a New Year's resolution. Jets, go find your Super Bowl winning quarterback right now. This is the time. You have a defense that can win, a defense that is Super Bowl caliber. You have a team that can play offensively with skilled players that are young and that are vibrant and that are dynamic. You go find you a quarterback that can make plays, be professional, and be more than competent. You can find yourself in the Super Bowl next year. The time is now.
All right, Rob Ninkovich, give me another resolution for another team. Chicago Bears management, go help Justin Fields. Go get some more pieces, get him some offensive line pieces, and go get a number one receiver. Help him develop as a receiver because I guarantee if you do that, the super fans will be coming and they'll be happy for it because they guess what? The Chicago Bears, if they do it, they'll be back in a Super Bowl. I guarantee it. All right. Well, it's, it's, it's always good to hear from the super fans. I couldn't help it. I mean, come nah, on. I'm talking Bears. You, you got to go super fans. Come on, Graziano. No one's asking you to stop that. That was great. Anyway, Let's we go. do have to go uh, to the Denver Broncos now, who could use a few New Year's resolutions. It's been a whirlwind week there in Denver. The Broncos fired coach Nathaniel Hackett after they lost 51-14 to to the Rams uh, on Christmas. Russell Wilson, who's had a terrible year his first year in Denver, has heard it from critics, and his teammate Jerry Judy came to his defense yesterday. I'm just tired of reading things about my boy and making it seem like, oh, he's not a good teammate. He don't other unnecessary stuff that's not true, and I just want to get it out the air, like, that he is a good teammate, you know, and he is a hardworking teammate, and I just feel like, I just needed to get that out there because there's a lot of false narratives going around here that I'm getting tired of, of seeing. While quote tweeting an article that said Wilson had his own office at the Broncos facility, Broncos receiver KJ Hamler tweeted, three goes above and beyond to do whatever it takes to win for the team. Y'all not about to bash him and act like he still ain't that same Russ who won a Super Bowl and was a nine-time Pro Bowler. I stand behind my QB. Love you, three. Hamler doing his uh, doing his research there, right? Like looking up the Pro Bowl appearances. And all. Look, it's great. Wow. It, I mean, it, it's awesome that his teammates are coming out and supporting him because, I mean, the, he's there. Like we've talked about this, the contract and everything. They've got to try and get this uh, right. But RC, like what – what has to happen for Russell to, to, to turn this around next season in Denver? Uh, Russell Wilson needs a coach that's going to hold him accountable. Russell Wilson needs a coach that understands that even though Jerry Judy tweets or quote tweets the tweet about him having an office, it said, we're not going to have these false narratives. But then he explains why Russell Wilson has an office, and it's because he dedicates his life to football. So is it false that he has an office, or do you feel people have given false reasons why he has an office? And I think I've been on a ton of teams, and I've been on teams with very good quarterback, with Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and those quarterbacks don't have separatism. Those quarterbacks want to be a part of the locker room. It's cool that you can just walk up to your teammate at his locker or walk up to your teammate when he's studying film and say, hey, man, let's chop it up or let's talk. Let's talk about families how's everything going in your life it's not as cool when I have to knock on your door like I have to knock on my head coach's door because you have your separate office and so I think that those are some things that could be changed I also think a coach is going to have to come in and say okay Russell here is how we get better it's not about what we do great it's about what you do great and how can we get you back to that how can we make you more comfortable how can we tie you in with the leadership of the team how can we make you a part of it and I think all of those things have to be conversation that Russell Wilson and is willing to have, and I believe that he is, but he has to play better. He has to understand how he fits in with this team, and if he can do that, I think you can try to move forward at least with him and start anew. Do you think that this can be fixed with the right coach? No, I don't think it can be fixed. I mean, this is ultimately going to come down to Russell Wilson accepting that he's going to have to be a different player in order to be productive for his mm. team. He no longer has elite-level athleticism for the quarterback position. It's a combination of age and being the most sacked quarterback over the last decade in the NFL. 
There's a reason why we're seeing him have a career-worst six-game losing streak. He's got career lows in QBR, completion percentage, touchdowns, and yards per attempt. It ain't about the talent around Russell Wilson, and quite frankly, that shouldn't be an excuse for a quarter-of-a-billion-dollar quarterback. It should be about the quarterback finding a way to play within the structure of the offense and find success. He hasn't been able to do that. And quite frankly, throughout his entire career, he's been a quarterback that's lived outside of the structure of the offense. The second reaction plays, extending the down, creating those explosives downfield in the passing game. That's been Russell Wilson. The reason why we're not seeing him do that now is because he can't do that. Hmm. And he hasn't been consistent in terms of being able to play and win from the pocket. So I don't think the head coach is going to be the issue. Quite frankly, I don't think that a head coach is going to fix it by himself. This is going to have to be a decision that Russell Wilson makes. Yeah, and I also believe that it was his ex-teammates from another team that were talking about some of the ways that he handled himself and the way yeah. that he was outside of the locker room, in the locker room. Um, so at the end of the day, it, it comes down to this. Can Russell Wilson play at an elite level? Right now, he can't. He is mm. not playing at an elite level. Will he? If they have a great head coach that comes in, maybe, but we don't know. We're just looking at what we see this year, and this year, very poor. It is ugly. We'll see what happens. They are in the market for a coach after firing Hackett earlier this week. Obviously, a big story we'll be following uh, for the next several weeks. But tonight, it is the Orange Bowl, and oh boy, will it be orange at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Number six, Tennessee, takes on number seven, Clemson, at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and the ESPN app. It's the orangest Orange Bowl ever. Are all wins created equal? Dak and the Cowboys won again, but they struggled against a depleted Titans team. Do Ryan Clark and Bart Scott have any concerns after last night? You're going to find out on first take following Get Up. Good morning. It's time to get up. We're all we got right now. Everyone in this room, we got to come together. I'm ready to go. Starts now. Let's go, G. Wake up, man. You're going to get up. Get on up. Get up. You get up. Get up. Let's do it. Everyone wants to laugh. (laughs) 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 This is great. It's wonderful. Look at us. What could go wrong? Just bring me my damn food. I have really elite analysis. You learned a hell of a lot here. Rex paid the producers to keep this footage. Okay. Can't wait. This is like days of your lives, man. Don't do dumb bleep. Uh, Oh, it is a party. (laughs) We will allow you to dance. There it is. Hit the Serbian gritty. We just paying checks to anybody to come on TV. <laughs> Hold on for a second. Cam Jordan is here. Pat Ben. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Brooke Pryor. Heather's in. Oh. I'm Hannah Storm. Now it feels oh. like football. Is it okay if I call you Greeny? Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Old cowboy fans make me sick. Hey, everybody. Don't forget about there me. We... Are we still on television? Yes, we're still on television. You in the Radio Hall of Fame, ain't you? Several of them, but go ahead. Yes. <laughs> you never saw a guy standing on a box before? <laughs> the pass from Zappy was crappy, but the fans were happy. I got bars for days. Oh. We have a new feature. You give zero fucks about that. Zero. If yeah. it were fifths, we'd all be drunk. Joe Burrow is sexy. And he got a lot of guys feeling real uncomfortable. <laughs> Can I interest you in a punch of karma cleanse? You understand why Aaron Rodgers needs the cleanse? He's full of it. We've been friends for 20 years. Yes. That will come to an end if you ask me one question about this team once they're officially eliminated. <laughs> Linemen are sensitive because they wore t-shirts at the public swimming pool as kids. Damian Woody is on the phone, Timmy. He would like a word. You see that? You see that? Look how much bigger Damien's hands are than mine. <laughs> you can't stop us, Brady. We 
have saved a seat for our friend Mr. Saturday. <laughs> but wait, there's more. The one. <laughs> they don't call me to play Hopa. They don't call me to play Whistler. What they call me, Mike? The play maker. This is a lot of fun. It's been remarkable. I love it. I liked it. Yeah. It's time to go, man. There's no part of that I didn't love. We, we, have, we have had so much fun, as you can see, bringing you get up uh, throughout the year. It is a blast to do. We really, really appreciate you guys joining us every single day. We'll be back in 2023, which is next week. Have a safe, happy, and healthy New Year's and weekend. First take is next. Thank <laughs> you.